Welcome to Smart Home Stupid People. My name is Harris Felmuth. I'm Madeline Siege. That's correct. Yep. Here we explore, could it be that the more accommodating our environment is, the more we lose the ability to take care of ourselves? This is the central question that kind of drives the focus of this video cast. And a little bit of uh, news for everybody out there and podcast. Uh, we're going to be releasing this in audio form. So yeah. that was a decision we decided to make today. <laughs> Very spontaneously. Exactly. Spontaneously. I think uh, oh, we had fun. we've been having fun with this. Yeah. And um, she has the Sendung mit der Ziege, her German podcast, uh, video cast, which has up till now kind of been very taxing. And taxing is the right word to use. Because today we're going to be talking about taxation. Mm -hmm. We'll come back to that. Um, taxing in the sense that she requires a lot of prep time for that show. With my Levels of Absurdity video cast podcast, it's the same thing. There's a lot of prep that goes into it. It's always with an interview. It's always uh, with a video. This is a bit different. I think it's much more relaxing yeah. because we can just be ourselves, bring a topic out, put it on the table, yeah. talk with you guys. I got I to gotta turn the chats on. There we go. In case any of you guys want to comment today, we are live with Twitch, DLive, Rumble, Rockfin, and now we're on Telegram as well. So if you guys want to find us on Telegram, search Smart Home Stupid People. If you want to find us anywhere, pretty much search Smart Home Stupid People and you'll find us. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes Smart Home Stupid People will be hosted by um, at Felmuth, sometimes at Biomusic Productions. Easy though, Smart Home Stupid People, you'll find it. Taxation. Hmm. I'm, um, I must say, I, I'm, I'm kind of um, Inspired, but at the same time, not too inspired. Because today we spent the entire day looking at our computers and money. Yeah. Hello, Felmuthinator. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. I can't read it, so I'm going to have to just put it on screen. So let's see what happens. There we go. Blah, blah, blah. Rerun later. Wanted to pop in. Thank you for ah, popping in. Yeah, that's good. Check it out later. I know. Today we're live at um, 20 o'clock. So that's... Uh, 8 p.m. Central European time, yep. which means that for people living in um, Eastern Standard Time, it's going to be about six hours behind. So, yeah, we're going to be like lunchtime for you guys. You guys over in L.A., we're going to be a morning show, 11, 11 a.m. So we'll see if this works out for the future. Nice, because right now this is actually a really comfortable time for us to stream. Yeah. Um, Sundays, we stream a little bit earlier. We stream at 18 o'clock, which is 6 p.m. Central Eastern, Central European time, which gives you guys, uh, it's, it's a perfect noon show for you, you guys in Central, um, in uh, Eastern Standard Time mm -hmm. and 9 a.m. in the morning for you guys on the West Coast. So, yeah, today we spent the entire day looking at <laughs> this computer screen. And I yeah. must say, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing to look at the computer screen all day, then walk away from it and feel inspired to do something else in front of computer screens. So, <laughs> so we are inspired to do this show, but yeah. there, is a, there is a physical exhaustion that goes with it. All right, yeah, so we got these buttons now, exactly. So here I am, Eris Felmuth. And this physical exhaustion is not uh, something that you could easily ignore, which is why today uh, it's going to help us by inspiring us for the subject of taxation. Taxation is a really cool subject because it means not 
we're not just talking about money. We're not just talking about the way that government likes to dive deep and grab what they can. Uh, we're not just talking about budgets and so on and so forth. We're actually taking the concept of taxation. And the concept of taxation is not, like I mentioned, just a financial thing. In the English language, taxation also is tied in with stress. Back in the 1600s, it began, um, you know, when people started claiming overtaxation, it became a slang term that slowly developed into, um, I'm emotionally taxed. You know, mm -hmm. uh, the, the taking out the trash was very taxing today. <laughs> so there are funny contexts in which we can use this word now in the English language, which comes from that. In the German language, it's a little bit different. In the German language, we yeah. have Steuer. Steuer. And you have uh, Die Steuer and Das Steuer. Die Steuer is taxing or taxation, all right, tax. And Das Steuer is actually a funny thing because um, it's kind of like to control. Mm -hmm. Right, so as if someone's controlling a machine, uh, it's they're 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 ansteuerung. It's, it's fucking. Yeah, it's like the wheel, the car. You know, when you drive, it's also yeah. Ansteuer. Which is funny because it, here's the problem with it, translating from German to English, because this and this is why I wanted to. I want. I'm going to bring this eventually down to its fundamental level in a minute, and we're going to talk about tax from the point of view I think of natural law, mm -hmm. what it means, where it comes from, and how it relates to. Reality, as much as of uh, as much as many of us would like to believe that taxation is not anywhere <laughs> close to reality, there actually is a realistic, I think, um, connection to it that I'd like to talk about. Um, in German, uh, the concept of using the word tax, which is Steuer in a, in a scenario that means something to do with stress, mm -hmm. doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's not a connection that they've made. Instead, um, you have something like. Um, Steuergeld, which is tax money, directly translated, but it's also in German more like um, the act of like this money, which is going to be used for paying tax, is tax money, right? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, I find, I don't know if this is etymologically um, a fair representation of the word in German, but I think the feeling that I get from it and the feeling from the language and the etymology that I know um, and I mean, I speak a couple other languages, so I could get a, a kind of a fair idea as to perhaps where it comes from. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the idea of Steuergeld, so um, uh, money being used for, uh, uh, like, I, I understand that the word Steuer is not just for controlling something, mm -hmm. but it kind of is because it really, it, it kind of ensues that uh, or insinuates that the money that's being collected as tax uh, from for taxes is being used to control the nation mm -hmm. or to, it, it, it's not really, and this is the other problem, Steuer doesn't actually translate directly to control. It means more like to drive or to... Um, yeah, like also to kind of, how to say that? I know the French word conduit. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the, to drive in English. Yeah, to drive. Yeah, yeah. and and, and also, but yeah. but to drive in English is not the same thing as in German because you know, as we all know, back in the Nazi time, we talked about uh, der Führer, and the mm. Führer in, in in German just means the guy who's leading, the leader, right? Mm -hmm. So so the word Steuer is a very interesting word in the sense that you have two languages, and I, and it's the same thing in 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 in, uh, in French. You have uh, conduire, which, which she just said a second ago, which is related to driving, but Conduire has nothing to do with tax, <laughs> right? And then you take uh, the word, you know, tax in French, which yeah. is directly tax. So actually, the origins of the English word tax comes from a Latin origin, Greek origin, I believe, as well, um, which is also used in French quite similarly. Um, the 
the German uh, concept of it and the entire Norse world concept of it, I find to be very fascinating because, like I mentioned, it's not associated with stress. Instead, it's associated, um, if 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 not, it, it's associated with uh, the act of of um, uh, operation. Mm-hmm. Right of operating a machine almost, mm. and so therefore the money required to operate this machine mm-hmm. is the tax money Steuergeld. There we go. That's a funny little play on word right there. Yeah, See, I'm yeah. getting getting her thinking. See, she's a native speaker, so she doesn't think of it like that. No. German is like my third <laughs> language, so for me, it, you know, I have to actually think of these things when I start learning it, and sometimes it's too funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, we'll get into funny German words maybe in another episode. But today we're focusing on taxation. Mm-hmm. As I just mentioned, there's one sense of taxation which is related to stress in the English language. Mm-hmm. But there's, a, for me, I think the, the fundament of taxation is you have a group. Mm-hmm. And in order to come into the group, there's a buy-in. You can't just be a part of a group and start taking Mm -hmm. and not expect for the group to just exile you, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is where we now just, we now make that bridge over to nature because I I, I see is specifically in the German world uh, or the the Northern European world, uh, Christian, for example, the idea of protection, right? And it's funny because actually I was reading a whole bunch of different definitions today for tax. And one definition was like, Money that is acquired from the public to be used for governmental processes, unlike money that is being used for protection and racketeering. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, in some countries, it's a very gray, gray area whether mm-hmm. money is racketeering, tax, or uh, um, uh, protection, right? So I just wanted to kind of say that just because the government's the bigger gang <laughs> doesn't, in my opinion, make it not racketeering or... or um, um, protection, right? Because that's in, in, in the world of reality, mm. when you go to Northern European tribal eras, you would have farmers that lived out in the middle of nowhere that wanted to associate themselves to a larger metropolitan mm-hmm. or a larger group. And for this reason would pay out by giving some of their crops over to uh, maybe the Earl of the area and the region and so on and so forth. And this was used as a form of being able to have the army that the Earl controlled protect them from people who came in to try and take their farmland and to try and take their crops. Mm-hmm. So the idea of protection and racketeering, I would almost argue, is in nature one of the origins of the concept of taxation. Eventually, taxation was created with um, um, the, the the connection to money, right? The connection to finance, mm-hmm. the connection to uh, something, uh, some type of currency. But I would argue that say, to say that currency is is supposed to be an expression of energy, mm-hmm. right? On on a certain level, right? Um, energy, whether it is re- related to time or something of value and something that you can trade. Um, so I find that to be very fascinating. And when we start talking yeah. now about the uh, biological world, right? About about the uh, bigger world, and perhaps where it comes from. And as I mentioned in the last couple episodes, I find that if something we build. Uh, whether it be a philosophical system or a machine. And if it's not built in accordance to the laws of nature, it won't fly in accordance to something that should fly with the laws of nature. You know, mm-hmm. it'll just plummet. <laughs> <laughs> so that was nice, my nice little intro. How about you say something? Yeah, yeah, How do you see this whole idea <laughs> of, of, of taxation fitting into the animal kingdom? Yeah, there's a lot of parallels to it, especially if you talk about 
living in a group because it has certain benefits that you have to kind of also give up some some things in order to be part of the group. You know, it's also taxing for an animal to be in a group. And there are a couple examples of it. And I think the most extreme is um, living in a, in, a, in a hive as an insect, uh, like the eusocial insect that they have kind of like a, even like a kingdom rolling <laughs> where you have, for example, yeah. with bees or ants or also the naked mole rat. There is a um, one individual with the queen. So the naked mole rat is actually an example of a mammal that lives yeah. in a hive. Yeah, um, it's. I, I think it's the only actually one, the only mammal living in that kind of social environment. Um, if I'm correct, that has specifically a queen and yeah, uh, that has a sp specifically queen and uh, also other than perhaps humans, we 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 used to have queens. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still all able to reproduce. <laughs> we, we, we still actually have queen. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. queen wasn't the only one responsible for reproduction. No, that's true. So that that's part of it. Mm -hmm. But coming back to the topic, it's really, if you live in a social group, um, there are benefits, but also there are costs. And I think that's where the taxation comes in, the stress comes in. So I, I was working on rabbits, and that's actually a really cool example to talk about that, the positive and negative aspects of sociality or living in a social group. Um, so rabbits by nature are not necessarily very social. They live in groups because it gives them certain benefits in a certain area. So when in my back in my PhD, I was actually comparing the social structure of rabbits that live on the countryside and those that live in the city of Frankfurt and mine. And the environments are very different. Um, in the rural area, we have huge open areas, huge agricultural used fields. So there is no thick vegetation. But this thick vegetation, these bushes are necessary for rabbits to build their bar systems. And so the, the rabbits come together at the few bushes they can find and is like, oh, okay, what we're going to do? We have only limited resources, so we work together. We share the few resources in order to create, for example, a huge borrow system together. So they all work together. They create a borrow system, and then they have to sh share that borrow system, which means they all have to contribute um, in, in the um, maintenance of that borrow system. Yeah. And also living in a group has other benefits. For example, it's safer, you know, if there are predators coming um, yeah. at them, especially when they're living more in the countryside, there are more predators like foxes or birds of prey. So it's better for them to actually live in a, in a big social group. But on the other hand, in order to keep that social, yeah, the social um, living together uh, working, they have developed a very Their social... society. Well, yeah, say, society. Yeah. And also they have a, developed a very social um, hierarchy where you have the dominant males and the dominant females. So it's like a parallel hierarchy between the different sexes. And in order to keep that alive, they are heavily um, stressing them themselves. <laughs> like the, the dominant male is really um, yeah aggressive towards the other males also, the females are really aggressive amongst each other in order to preserve that uh, dominance. So in mm -hmm. order for a subdominant a rabbit to live in a group, to have that protection, they have to give up parts of their, yeah, and I mean, their social status, I would say. Mm -hmm. So that's a part of taxing as well, you know, in order to... They have to pay in yeah, somehow. They have to pay in somehow in order to, yeah. to get the protection and also the... Um, you know, helping each other with feeding when they out um, rabbits, they they're vegetarian, so they eat um, yeah um, 
was that grass. vegetable grass uh, herbs <laughs> <laughs> most yeah, of the time see, i was saying that looking at the computer all day it oh, really starts taking yeah, things yeah, out yeah. of you it's, it's not as easy i think um so but in order to for them to 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 graze um or go god grazing and it's more safer in the group so that's yeah. another aspect of them but yeah to be part of the group they have to play by the rules that's exactly how also the taxation and, system and works and we see that for example uh, with wolves with monkeys yeah. with bears that if one of them doesn't play by the rules they will get either like in what we've seen with monkeys they'll get slaughtered by their by their foe kicked in their group or, they'll get, yeah. or they'll get kicked out like the yeah. like, a, like a bear may get kicked out yeah um, and so on and so forth so yeah. it's it's uh, it's it's also, I mean, like you kind of see that in, in, in human society. Uh, some societies actually work with um, um, ostrac ostracization, which mm -hmm. means that when people break the law, they get kicked out of society. A great mm -hmm. example of that is, is the famous Eric the Red, mm. who was kicked out of Norway, discovered Iceland. Did he? I know I don't think he discovered Iceland, but he just he he was kicked out of Norway, ended up in Iceland, but was kicked out of Iceland again, um, <laughs> and then in doing so, he discovered um, Greenland and Canada yeah. and uh, the Eastern so U.S. Sometimes not so right? bad too. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, so I think that his his punishment was like ten years of ostracization, and so what mm -hmm. he did was he ended up. I believe I could be completely misremembering uh, mis uh, this, but uh, in his sagas, I believe. Uh, he ended up getting a whole bunch of people to like side with him and say, "Yeah, fuck this place. We're gonna go now." And yeah. they went and they went and explored and yeah. they discovered Greenland and Canada and and the U.S. So um, interesting uh, story of ostracization. I <laughs> and and as I mentioned, you know, you see this with some of the lone bears. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they actually willingly lead the pack because they don't like the way that they have to pay into it. Sometimes, yeah. or what also often happens is alpha male struggle. Or even in you see in some beehives, uh, the the queen struggle. If you have two queens, they have to fight to the death. It's kind of a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and uh, for example, also the naked mole rats. Actually, an episode I just did on my podcast because it's so interesting how um, the the queen keeps the whole system going because she's the only one actually being able to reproduce and um, giving birth, and she has uh, a couple of male. Uh, like a male harem <laughs> yeah. around the, around her, who's uh, who are able to mate with her, but all the females and the rest of the males are actually not fertile, and they're not fertile because the queen is putting so much pressure onto the rest of the the group that they are putting out so much stress hormones that the reproduction is actually going down. So they're not producing any sexual hormones in order to become fertile themselves. And this is all controlled by the queen. And I find that really amazing how that system really kind of evolved, that this is actually stable and working somehow. Well, actually, before you go on to the next topic, yeah. uh, let's let's talk about that because I think that a lot of people don't realize that we're mammals. And yes, we are, it's the same <laughs> rule applied to humans. Mm -hmm. When we are under stress, mm -hmm. yeah. our body goes into fight or Absolutely. flight. Absolutely, it's the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. And fight or flight will shut off a couple things, such as one of the first things it may shut off will be, um, you know, first it'll start bringing the blood out of the organs and so on and so forth. But if it's um, over a longer period of time, mm -hmm. it will reduce fertility. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it, this is why depression is often associated with the lack of fertility. Yeah. Because depression is often associated with stuff sucks. <laughs> yeah, right? and it's also actually it's a good thing by the body from the body because it shows that you know the environment is not safe. 
it's not good to have offsprings right now. You shouldn't do this right now. We we need to save our energy for something else. And that's that's a very clever program, I think, that is incorporated in our body. So <laughs> it's nothing nothing bad, but it's just going to show you that the environment you're living in is not uh, it's not really supporting your yeah. your fitness. It's not supporting well fitness. You have to explain as well. Yeah, fitness, I have to explain it well. I think I did it in the first episode, but just uh, have a short recap on that. Fitness doesn't mean that you are able to run a marathon or <laughs> have strong apps. It actually means from an evolutionary point of view. Or a biologist point of view. Yeah, yeah biologist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's called like also called the Darwinian or Darwin fitness, which means the numbers of offsprings that you have yourself and also the offsprings of uh, relative of, from you. So basically it's about how much of your own um, DNA is put into the next generation, either through your own offsprings or the offsprings of relatives from you, like your parents or like your sisters and, and that's brothers. Right. Yeah. So that's, so, yeah. So that means that fitness, when you, when you're talking about fitness, you're saying uh, from the biological point of view of that word, yeah. the longevity of your gene pool. Yeah, absolutely. And the 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 pre precursor is that the predispositions? Predispositions for that <laughs> yeah. is basically that you are healthy. You know, you can only reproduce yourself if you're healthy. Oh, the prerequisites. The prerequisites. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that only works if you're healthy. And also the longer you live, the more offsprings you can produce yourself. And also the more time you well, have for men. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> also for females, if you, I don't know, yeah, it might be also. Well, sure. I mean, if a female dies at 30 before she hits menopause, then yeah, she might lose yeah. 10 years. But also, you can still, if you're not able to reproduce yourself, you're still able to support. help. Yeah, yeah. To support, That's true. Uh, you know, your, maybe your, already your own offsprings to raise their offsprings. Yeah. Or your so siblings. It's all about, yeah, yeah exactly. all about the care. And that means that you have to have the time for that and also yeah. have to have the energy resources for that. And how are you want to do this if you're busy all the time with with stuff, if you're stressed all the time, if you put out too much money because the taxation is high. <laughs> well, and this is a funny way of looking at it, you know, yeah. talking about the modern era. Yeah. Our daily and um, the stress in our lives yeah. is reducing our fitness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, when you look at the human race from a biological point of view, absolutely. Yes. And this kind of, you know, it's not something I actually intended to talk about today, but I meant, you know, something that I've always kind of felt is what's the point of a scholastic system specifically mm -hmm. one that is forced upon people mm -hmm. one would think that it has to that if that if from a biological point of view if we were to jump into a scholastic system where we then end up learning about um something for six or eight hours a day where we have to be attentive and be a, a part of the program and a part of the society you would assume that the purpose of that would be to help the children the students be more associated or uh, create a better connection to reality mm -hmm. so that they can survive better mm -hmm. so that their siblings and their family mm -hmm. and their offspring and their neighbors that we could all survive better mm -hmm. right and it's an interesting thing to think of in the sense that with all the years that we spend in school you know the 10 mandatory years that we have when mm -hmm. we actually go to preschool to elementary school and then later on optional uh you know well to high school to 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 for the first couple of years, and then later on optional to finish high school mm -hmm. and finish um, to to actually go to a post secondary um, institution. Um, you'd think that within all those years, you'd learn how to be self sufficient. Yeah. You'd learn how to you know cook, how to eat, how to take care of yourself, 
what it means for your personal health mm -hmm. because everybody's personal health is different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very important um, thing for a lot of people to understand yeah. is that health is not copy and paste. You can't take something that's meant for these people over here and yeah. transplant their health onto these people over here. Uh, and you see that in biology. I mean, even with uh, animals of the same species, you, the, the fact that they are living in two separate habitats yeah. means that their, uh, their concept of health will yeah. be different. Even amongst the sexes, like females and males are so different that you yeah. can't put, you know, one thing after the other. And I, I talk from, I speak from my own experience trying to really force myself into a fitness program that was not meant for me. <laughs> really just, you know, putting out more energy than I was taking in, wondering why I had no period over years. And exactly what Aris just said, that it's nothing that we learn in school. And I studied biology and still I had no didn't idea. Didn't make the connection, yeah. Didn't make the connection, yeah. which I still don't know. <laughs> to say how could that happen? But I was not interested in, I didn't, I was not interested during that time to, you know, procreate and <laughs> having children. And I yeah. thought, well, then I don't need this right now. It's, it's uh, you know, not important, but I didn't know how important it is actually to have your hormones in check for your own health, for your mental health as well. Yeah. Now I know the difference well, and the, I think it's, uh, yeah, yeah, something that, as you said, we should should learn that in school as yeah. well as also how you actually create a own financial system for yourself that, um, yeah, makes you, makes you uh, independent, makes you financially well, <laughs> so yeah. I want to sovereignty, say that. sovereignty. How does that work kind of, with taxes? Yeah. How I do my own texting? Um, you know, nothing yeah. you learn that in, you don't learn that in school, not at all. Yeah, and that's the other thing too is obviously yeah, how to really uh, deal with finances and yeah. inflation and saving money. Uh, how to how, this? This is not a part of the scholastic system. I mean, there might there like like I know people that in high school like you have some. Uh, what do they call them? Electorials. So you have uh, courses that you can do mm -hmm. that have to do with, you know, home ec, we called it. Mm -hmm. But home ec is not a prerequisite. Mm -hmm. And so, and home ec is something that you might do once or twice throughout the high school year. And you think to yourself, you know, I've been in school since I'm five years old. I'm 16 now. <laughs> yeah. And I've done home ec for, you know, two semesters for twice in my life. And I've never actually done home ec as an example. Instead, yeah. I took shop class. <laughs> that Which was class? Shop class. It's like learning how to cut wood. Ah, I thought like how to shopping. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I'm sure there's a class for that now. Ah, no, uh, I know where that comes from. Yeah. Ah, so, good. but this is the thing: is that um, it's it's there are useful things in the in the scholastic system, and I don't want to push the whole thing down, but I mm. definitely want to emphasize that the meat of the scholastic system is useless from the point of view I yeah, think absolutely. of uh, of of a biological. Uh, or uh, us relating to reality yeah. point of view. Even further on in university, you know, I didn't learn how to do all the, you know, the publication stuff. And that was all kind of... Independent, yeah. Yeah, learning by doing when I was a PhD student. But before then, nothing really mm. prepared me for that. So. Or even uh, writer's craft. You're yeah. on your second book now. Yep. And what you've learned about writer's craft yep. over the last couple of years, if you were to have written your um, doctoral thesis today, <laughs> instead of the, how many years did it take you? I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, let's just let's just say after all the data points were collected and the heart and the actual street work was collected. I think the whole writing maybe actually. Well, it's, it's hard to say because um, the way usually PhD is done within the natural science is that you have a so-called sorry. <clears throat> cumulative uh, doctoral thesis, which means you have to have a specific number of publications before you actually can put together a dissertation. And it's kind of a summary mm -hmm. of all the publications. Oh, and but I mean, I've read quite a few publications in my life yeah. and sometimes they're written so bad. 
Like I would, yeah. I would argue that if you want to see bad English, go read scientific journals. Yeah, absolutely. It is. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> atrocious. Like I, it's it's, I it's really a lot of people might think that oh, it's written so complicated. It must be uh, it must be something complicated. No, it's spreading spreading confusion when in doubt. Either because people don't really want things to be understood, or they don't understand it themselves, or they just or don't they're trying take the to just time. fill up the space because they don't give a fuck. I think yeah. that's a, that's a big part of it. But it's also. Um, you know, you have to, like with us or in, in Germany, you know, all my supervisors, everyone was mm -hmm. a German native speaker and we had to yeah, that's be able to, yeah. to to write in English in a way that is accepted. So sometimes, yeah. you know, we, we we had someone looking over it, but there was none, no one there with native English speaking yeah. skills. So that's why these publications are not the best. Well, that's another thing too, is often when you see publications, you see a lot of Chinese names on there. Yeah. You see a lot of Spanish names. You, see, you know, just, yeah, yeah. you see everything outside of the English speaking world name on there. And often cases because they don't speak English. Well, not that they don't, but they're not yeah. native English. And that's also a problem. If you really look into the content, um, some things are just badly translated or yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it many times with my research on the rabbits that That's was right. reading different informations and different papers and I knew because most of the studies came from Spain where the rabbits are originally from and I was wondering like I thought sometimes it was just a translation lost in translation yeah you know what uh, I think for uh, one of the upcoming episodes we're going to do an episode on stress to precursor yeah. your book coming out sure. soon that's about stress well and soon there's still a couple months to go but soon and <laughs> it'll be you know it's go, the time goes quick when that kind of stuff starts yeah, to work, I know. I find I know um, but I, I, what I really want to say is that uh, even something that you've discovered in writing mm -hmm. about stress mm -hmm. is that the origin of the word and meaning for stress mm -hmm. in biology is very fascinating and it has a lot to do with exactly what we're just just talking about yeah. right now um about things not being understood properly published yeah. things that were published under um false pretense or translation and this became the status quo yeah, someone just pronouncing words in a weird way that for they example, we're not, you know. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's something we can funny though, that that we can save that for for the next time, but okay, I, I think sure. it's a fantastic story. It's yeah. just the origin of the word stress in our society and yeah. how what it and where it comes from and and why. So very very fascinating. Um so one of the other things I wanted to talk about too is uh in my industry. <laughs> now this is kind of like the third part of taxation I'd like to talk about. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> the third part of taxation I'd like to talk about today has to do directly with um, tax money. I have done uh, quite a few job sites or I've, I've programmed quite a few buildings in my life that are paid and funded via tax money. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I also wanted to ask Madeline over here about is in, in, in now the human world of building automation. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of waste in the tax mm -hmm. world. Yeah. Think about it while I'm talking about this. <laughs> if in nature, there are such examples where you can say the energy accumulated by the group was falsely misrepresented <laughs> and used very wrong Think about it. I'll think, think about, about it, it yes. right? You know, I, in the sense that like, uh, something that really should just be going straight in the garbage as far as <laughs> energy and resources that are being depleted. You yeah. know, so like total inefficiency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that nature is a lot better with that kind of stuff than, than, than uh, our politics tend yeah, to be. Absolutely. So that being said, one of my first stories I want to talk about is that, and this is also another big thing uh, within 
I'm going to go back here. Within, <laughs> I know, it's, 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 it's two huge topics. And, and they're, at the same time, very fascinating, but pet peeves of mine. It's, they drive me absolutely up the wall. Um, What's the pet peeves? Pet peeve. Pet peeve? Pet peeve, yeah. <laughs> it, it's something that drives you crazy that you okay. really, really don't like. All right, I like that. I've never heard that before. <laughs> Good. Uh, no German word for that? Pet peeve? I wouldn't know how to... <laughs> no, you don't have to translate it, but I mean, I'm trying to think like... What is like a pet, like a house? No, like just a pet peeve just means it dri just drives you crazy. Oh, it's like a... It has nothing to do with a pet. Oh, okay. There's, there's no there's the no animal is... that's peeving. <laughs> <laughs> Something that drives you crazy, like a little... Yeah, Like yeah. a little uh, hamster? It, 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 yeah, but I mean, but exactly. Anyway, pet peeve is actually, in this case, a noun. Ah, oh, okay. You know? Interesting. Yes. Um, that being said, um, greenwashing. Mm -hmm. is the other topic mm -hmm. I want to talk about because greenwashing mm -hmm. is a clear example. Mm -hmm. Hey, Fiona, you're going you're gonna to have to stop crying. <laughs> That's our pet peeve. <laughs> yeah, go relax. She'll probably want to. Ah. All right, so we're live and this is happening. Why <laughs> um, yeah, not? That's so, our Norwegian cat, Fiona. Exactly, she's going to do that for a while and clean oh, herself. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, greenwashing. Greenwashing in your industry and both mine is a catastrophe, I find. Uh, it's this new thing, yeah. um, which you can better explain. Yeah. And we'll get into greenwashing after um, I talk about a few funny stories. Let's do that. Yeah, sure. All right. So, um, first off, here in Germany and in many countries, you have uh, tax breaks that are given to houses that follow um, energy efficiency rules. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, meaning that... If the walls are all up to standard, um, uh, you and so on, and so on and so forth, and you install a bus system with, let's say, motion sensors and dimming lights and all that stuff, uh, and you can prove that the values of these devices in this building are set to an efficient standard, then um, the government will give you a nice green stamp on a piece of paper that says you're going to save this much money in tax money over this much amount of time. So mm -hmm. you get tax breaks, like huge tax breaks. They're not little either. And uh, a good. Ex and so I want to just talk about this because something that's really fascinating to me is how this happens. Because a lot of people started going towards the idea of smart home because of these tax breaks. And they don't actually want the product. They don't know what it is. They don't care about the product. <laughs> they just know that uh, somebody in their organization says, do this so that we get our tax break. Mm -hmm. That's your job. And the guy and, and the people in charge have no idea what it is that they're about to get themselves into, what they're buying, what it does, and why they need it, and so on and so forth. And so uh, a, a funny example that I had was is a building, multiple stories, not going to say the name. That's going to have to just remain confidential for today. Um... And I've seen this example actually in a few buildings, so it's not just a one-off, but this one was actually pretty funny. Um, <laughs> every floor was separated into quadrants. And these quadrants had, you know, dozen motion sensors. And these motion sensors would trigger that quadrant's light mm -hmm. uh, or, 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 or the light in that quadrant, right? And so uh, more than a quadrant, actually. I mean, you, 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 in some of these floors, you'd have like six or several sections of, 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 uh, of floor space that would be separately lit. And some of these floor, like it, some of it was very lofty in the sense that there was no dividing wall. It's just that like if you were on that side of the floor, one of the motion sensors, they would pick you up and uh, would, would turn on the lights in that area and so on and so forth. And then when, there, when, when you would leave that area, after a certain amount of time, the lights would automatically go off. 
So what they wanted us to do in the beginning is they said, because of the amount of people who sit at their desks and are really still and work very patiently, <laughs> uh, please turn the um, turnoff time, so that's when you leave the zone of, of uh, motion sensors, um, that once you've left the zone from the last uh, motion detection, they wanted an hour. Because uh, unfortunately, leaving the zone is kind of the same as just sitting still at your desk for an hour. And so that was the first question we had for them is, how still are you guys working? Like, because I've seen this happen. <laughs> any any of you ever had this happen to you? If you were in Europe, this happens a lot. You go to you go to the toilet, you sit down, specifically in an office building. You sit down, you do your business. You shut the door to do your business, right? <laughs> I'm gonna get you on camera. Your laugh is funny. Uh, you sit down to do your business. Here, actually, I'm just gonna focus on you while I talk. How's no, that? no. <laughs> you go to do your business. <laughs> All right, now I'm being mean. Now yeah. you go to do your business and uh, you close the door. The motion sensor's on the outside of the door. It's mm -hmm. clever. Five minutes. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's even less than that. <laughs> Five minutes goes by where it's detected the last uh, motion presence in that room, and the lights go off in the in the bathroom. Mm. You, you don't even you can't even you can't even find you can't even find the tissue, right? <laughs> so it's not good. And I and, and then you start waving your arms around and yelling, you know, uh, to see if anybody's there to turn the lights on again, or or you start sticking your foot out underneath the stalls <laughs> to try and trigger the lights, right? Oh <laughs> I know, I know. It's not good. No, these no, buildings no, no. got green stamps for this. This is why I'm trying to explain this because it's one side of it is just um, circumventing practicality mm -hmm. in order to get this green stamp. This is one of those, right? It's kind of the same thing as like you go to wash your hands and face at a at a, at a public restroom, like a, or even a, a restaurant or a, um, a school or something, and they have you know. Um, IR detectors underneath, so uh, oh, yeah. motion detectors underneath yeah, yeah. The, the water faucets, turn the water on, and it, it runs for like five seconds. Yeah. It's not enough to do anything. You're sitting there with soap all over your hands and you're trying to re-trigger it. Yeah, and it's, it's not working. And, it, mm. So in, 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 the, in the building automation industry, it's not very different. Mm -hmm. And what that translates to is, like I said, is that the bathroom example is a bad example. Uh, because there are actual uh, clear stipulations that, saying, that says now people, and this is something you can sue, uh, if you hurt yourself in the bathroom because the lights turn off and there isn't like a national mm. emergency, you can sue. That's, 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 oh, uh, that's, that. oh, absolutely. Uh, Americans are big on this. And uh, this is why these kind of systems are not built into the US the way that it's built into Germany. <laughs> because in Germany, no uh, people don't sue like they do. Um, the other thing is, is if you're in a stairwell, if the lights go off in the stairwell, this is why in most stairwell you have emergency lights that have backup generators or a battery system that is um, it, that is there for the backup light. And the way that those typically work is they have kind of like a, a binary input built into them that sends the 230 from the lights. And when that light goes off, then it turns on as an emergency mm -hmm. light. Now, um, this is another big thing, is because a lot of this new greenwashing stuff, it, it uh, the, a lot of people, a lot of these big companies, they want their stairwells to be completely done by motion sensor. Now, in Germany, the standard for stairwells is you have a, a light switch on the side of the wall in like an apartment building, and when and 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 when the lights in the ceiling are off, it is illuminated. There's a little LED or a little light bulb inside it, so you can find that that light that light switch in the stairwell when it's dark. Right? Mm -hmm. We got we have very dark winters. 
And then you push that on and it turns on the whole stairwell until you get 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 out if the if the light and the light is sometime on what's called a staircase timer and if that timer runs out before the people have exited uh, and they're like you know on the third floor and they're walking down from the sixth and they can find that light switch on mm-hmm. the third floor and continue going so there there are actual strong mandates um that depict that if someone is in the stairwell and doesn't have lights they have to find an easy intuitive way to turn the light back on and if it's in a government building uh, it's all the much more strict and strenuous mm. yeah Big, 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 big important thing. Now, going back to this building uh, specifically that I was talking about where we had multiple sections, several sections in a uh, in, in a floor. We had multiple floors and they wanted the, uh, the, the last, they wanted the lights to go off after the, uh, an, an, the last presence detection was done. You know, they wanted the lights to go off an hour later. So that means the last guy leaves the floor you know, goes home, is, uh, has finished for the day. And then uh, within an hour, those lights turn off and be off for the night. Mm-hmm. I kept getting phone calls. I got phone calls because the people who had hired myself and the company <laughs> that I was subcontracted by to do uh, the, the the building um, um, automation, we call it, right? The, the lighting automation. Um, they're telling me, your system's not working. We're not paying. Mm. We, uh, the, the lights are on all the time. Mm-hmm. And I drive by there, uh, you know, it's uh, at, at like 11, 12, 1 in the morning. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we yeah, don't there. say what building yeah, it yeah. is. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> and and, and, and I'd, I'd sit out there in the parking lot going, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And I personally had to, with my own time, go out in the middle of the night and look at that building. I sat there for about 20 minutes thinking to myself, those lights have to go out. It can't be. That they're not they're not turning off yet. So I figured to myself, I'm gonna sit here and wait and see what happens. Mm. Lo and behold, <laughs> lo and behold, they had a security officer who his job, whom and his job, like his job tasks were given to him by another department that were not in communication with the people who had planned the the energy efficiency of the building who were responsible for getting the green stamp. Mm. None of this, there was no internal communication there. So one hand did not know what the other hand was doing. His job was to every hour walk through the building <laughs> and check and see if everything is okay. Oh so he God. has an eight-hour shift. Every hour, he does uh, he does his run through the whole building, right? And just walks through. Yeah. Well, he pretty much just steps out of the elevator, looks both ways, does a little kind of walk, and then he goes back in the elevator and goes down. Hmm. Um, that meant that this building was off 100% of the time. Uh, sorry, it was on 100% mm. of the time. Was it also the cleaning lady? I think that was the, the cleaning, cleaning crew. That was the other thing yeah. too, is that it wasn't just the security, but they also had a cleaning crew that started at uh, like three in the morning mm. and would clean up until uh, six or seven, which is when the, the people started their, their mm-hmm. day shift. Mm-hmm. And so you had a lot of activity mm-hmm. going on the whole night in the building. And so the lights were on 24-7. <laughs> and so I called them afterwards and said, I told you guys to think about this shit. Yeah. We, we, you, you didn't need to build hundreds of thousands of euros worth of technology and labor and costs and so on and so forth, actually millions of mm-hmm. dollars, euros, uh, for this system where you could have just had one button in the basement that says building on, building off. Mm-hmm. That's really what could have happened and it would have been a more efficient system. Mm-hmm. Because then at least the security guard would have had the ability to turn the building off when he was finished <laughs> his, his his little thing. Yeah. And before he goes, 
He could turn each floor on, but as, as he gets out, it'll turn off on by itself. They go downstairs and he could turn the building off. And this was something I actually um, suggested to them. And then they said, no, we can't have a central uh, command like that at the security because it's a, it's a vulnerability. And I'm telling them, thing, dude, you guys think you're good. You, you got this green stamp thing going on for you and your building's on 24-7 plus. You yeah, spent right. millions of euros on building stuff that's like pretty much just plastic and copper into the ceilings to try and prove that you're green and energy efficient. This yeah. isn't going to go well. Eventually, <laughs> the solution was to bring it down to 15 minutes and they're all happy. So the lights are still going on and off in huge areas. But um, now, at least uh, 15 minutes later, it goes off. So when you drive by there in yeah. the middle of the night, you really see, okay, the cleaning lady's over there and the security guy's over there. And maybe even 10 minutes in the staircase, the stairwell, we also uh, reduced down mm -hmm. to like five or 10 minutes. And the building looks good now. Much, <laughs> much, much better. But this <laughs> this story, I mean, this took yeah, yeah. months. You can't, like when you're talking about uh, a, a large <clears throat> building like that, you can't just tell them what works and what doesn't work and expect for them to listen. That's not the way that politics, uh, when building a big building like that, specifically a building that is funded by tax money, they usually have something similar to uh, like a, like, an, like an NGO backing them up uh, that is responsible for distributing the money and wealth. I don't, even, I don't know if NGO is the right word, but nevertheless, mm -hmm. uh, they have a type of private company that has been created that's not allowed to generate profit that's responsible for taking the tax money and distributing it properly and so on and so forth. And so every time something has to change, it has to go through like several desks and be discussed by, by multiple people before uh, something can be... Uh, authorized to be changed because money, when money changes hands, they have usually typically um, a budget of like, let's say 5,000 euros mm -hmm. or something like that, or whatever the case may be, that they can do whatever they want with. But if they exceed that budget, then it has to go through all these different tables and has to be approved by committee and so yeah. on. And so to get this kind of approval change to reduce it from one hour to 15 minutes took months. So this building was on for months and months and months and months. Mm. Tax money. Okay, so that's one. Uh, that's one funny story. My next one is actually even funnier. I find. How, how, how much time we got going on here? We have been talking for fifty minutes. All right, so we tend to cover this hour pretty well. Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. Fifteen or fifty. Fifty. Five zero. Say that like fifteen. What? No. Fifteen. <laughs> fifty. So oh. uh, this next one is 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 fantastic. Um, this doesn't exactly have to do with my industry per se. Well, actually, I'll I'll, I'll put a little story into it. Uh, there is a lighting system. That's called Dali. Now, D A L I. Uh, you know, like I should, the artist. Yeah, just like the artist, yeah. but I. It's like digital automation lighting infrastructure. I can't remember. I, I could be completely off with that acronym. Let me actually look it up, uh, and I'll find it. Um, Dali lights. Um, so KNX is the system that is the typical standard over here in. Um, so digital addressable lighting interface is what DALI stands for. That was mm -hmm. way off. <laughs> uh, KNX is the system that we use for the, for the typical bus system. DALI is another bus system that's often used in factories, but has recently been adapted for the personal home. Uh, mm -hmm. That is now a huge product sold. And the reason for that is the transition over to LED. Thank you. To LED over the last uh, half decade. That transition required a different infrastructure. And the reason for that is because LEDs often are uh, DC volt. Uh, LEDs are often um, very <clears throat> finicky with their um, with their lighting curves. 
and um, the way that they dim is not is not so you can't throw an LED light bulb onto a regular dimming actuator and expect it to operate the same way. So whenever we have a house or a building that's being designed, we have to be very specific in in in, in making sure that the customer understands that they need to tell us: Is it going to be an LED light? If so, what kind? Mm-hmm. And does the light need to be dimmable or switchable? Because now the technology has completely changed. And DALI is something that kind of came in. Um, it's always been there, like I said, for um, um, warehouses and factories and so on and so forth. Like I've done a couple of, uh, over here in, in, in Berlin as well, uh, where it's just DALI, there's no KNX. And what that typically is, is similar to the last example where they have motion sensors high up in the ceiling and the lights need to be just triggered by motion sensor and they're all within the same bus system. Now, um, in a factory scenario, it's it's it, it makes a lot of sense. In the home scenario, it's not that it doesn't make sense, it's that you need to build a bridge, which is called a DALI gateway. And this gateway will be the gateway from the DALI bus system to the uh, KNX bus system. And the important thing to acknowledge is, is that the DALI system, what makes it very special, is that you can wire with high voltage wires, like a five conductor wire um, over here, because we have three phases in Germany. Um, so you, we typically put in five conductor wire anyway. And um, if you put if you put all your lights in the ceiling and they're all dally lights, you can actually take one wire to the first light and then just from the second light, just daisy chain them all. And then digitally, you can say, I want the first two lights to be in one lighting group and the second two lights to be in another group, mm-hmm. which means that you can actually change the way that the the, the lights are grouped and controlled by from the wall without having to change the wiring in the building. And that's a huge thing because it tends to often happen nowadays we have a lot of open spaces, right? So you have living room, dining room, and kitchen, which mm-hmm. tends to be one big open room today where it's not like it was in the 60s and 70s where back then uh, I think the more rooms you had, the, the, wealthier, you, <laughs> the wealthier you were because yeah. you usually had three generations living in one house and everyone needed to be separated. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one with us. <laughs> exactly. And I see this happening everywhere. All these older uh, apartments and older houses now being purchased and converted to a modern standard Open where up. they're just opening it all up. They're just knocking down all the walls and saying, yeah. we have a big living space that's very lofty, yeah. you know, so you can uh, talk to the person in the kitchen while they're cooking. And specifically in Spain, this is a huge thing because the kitchen is the very heart of the of of, of, of the life in the house, yeah. right? A lot of, a lot of these, uh, Itali- Italy and France, same thing too. And so for them, it's very important that when the dining room and the kitchen that uh, are you know, either they're right beside one another, but often they used to knock a hole in the wall just to talk while they're cooking, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and so now, you know, uh, duly so, the entire area is open. And this is cool because now we put in all these lights and people get confused. Mm-hmm. They look at this big area and all these lights are everywhere. And then they think to themselves in a traditional fashion, which lights are for the kitchen, which lights are for the oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. living room area, which lights are for the dining room area, because it's all one area. And they think to themselves, it seems like a waste to have them on all the time if I'm in the kitchen that the lights. So we then start building um, sections that they could then control separately. And we can do this after the installation because mm-hmm. often it has to do with where's the TV going? Where's the bookshelf going? And then, so DALI does make sense in the sense that you can um, alter the lighting groups without having to physically change the lighting structure. The problem is each light has to have essentially a computer, like a microchip oh, yeah. mm-hmm. in it. So each light has a little device built in and this 
and that and the wires are going to this device, and this device has a, a, a like an ID in it that then gets uh, grouped with other IDs, and, mm-hmm. and that that's how it works. It all sounds like a good idea when it works. The problem is, is that if your light bulb breaks, you need to call a programmer to change it. Hmm. That's a big problem that a lot of people don't realize when they buy this system. They think to themselves, "Oh, great! Um, I'm going to get uh, I'm going to put LED lighting in my house. I'll save money." LED lights are heavily subsidized by tax money. They're they're actually a lot more expensive to produce, and they're very subsidized by tax money to be sold to the public at the uh, on mass and so on and so forth. And um, as I mentioned before, there were actual uh, green incentives to convert buildings to LED and so on and so forth. Um, this is also a tax break and so on. And um, the, the 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 truth is is that the people they were jumping on that bandwagon saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my house more energy efficient." <laughs> and and so that so that when we build the KNX system, they're like, "I want LEDs everywhere." And we're and then they're then they get a Dali system put in there because we tell them, "Okay, well, if you want LEDs, we're gonna have to put either these actuators in mm-hmm. there and these types of bulbs. You have to be very specific, or we go with a Dali, and then you can get a, a variety of Dali lighting. And the Dali lights are usually pretty nice. I mean, you can get pretty expensive." Germans love expensive stuff. It's crazy here. Um, I'm just going <laughs> off on a, on a on a side note, but um, they will spend so much money here on lighting and the way their keypads look and the way their walls look, and they'll spend no money on media and entertainment. They they don't want to be entertained. They're not interested in it. They just they just <laughs> want to look at everything that uh, is nice and artistic and and hmm. fits in. So <laughs> up there, the uh, the grasshoppers on the drape. Uh. <laughs> so there's the grasshoppers here like this, and he's just hanging out up there. Our cat was like hunting it yesterday, and she was just she doing was that now. Now I know why she was looking up ah. there because he's up there, and she doesn't know how to get there. We have to save him later. Um, so that being said, that you have a lot of people who, um, after you've installed all these lights, and a couple lights break, they don't realize they have to spend hundreds and hundreds of euros to call the right people to come in and change the lights. Well. Just yeah. for a couple lights, right? And and this is now where you're thinking, I wanted to save money, and you're not saving money. So this building that I was talking about was just that. It's, it was a it was a big conference room, and we had like a thousand two hundred of them. Each one of these lights cost about six hundred euros. <laughs> Do the math. <laughs> wow. And this just had to look nice. Right, and so this is a, a building that was paid by tax money, and wow. because they were going to get their green stamp, they're like, we're going to get some nice lights in here, mm-hmm. and they got the budget, and that's it. So tax money paid for that, mm-hmm. and then when a couple of lights started breaking and not working, that's when we got the service calls, and our service calls are not cheap in a building like that because, as I previously mentioned, every time we submit yeah. uh, um, uh, an invoice, if it's over a couple thousand, then it has to go through hands of committee, and it's not easy. Mm. So anyway. Do I have time for a couple other ones? Um, yeah, let's do one more. Um, <laughs> heating. Heating. Heating is like, for some reason, the most complicated thing, but it's the s- most simple thing. I've seen heating systems just go south so fast, like really <laughs> sour, not good. And um, it's because often now in these new green environments, what happens with heating is that they're also told in advance, here are the values that you're not allowed to go below and over. And so we build the system and we only give the people in the building the ability to go two degrees up or two degrees down mm-hmm. from the, the should-be value of the room. Um, and this is a problem because uh, a lot of people are not comfortable with the values that are predetermined and they say the system's not working, mm-hmm. that they're always cold. And so we get called in all the time and... They tell us the system's not working. It's too cold in here. 
we come in and we measure the ambient temperature and we say, no, it's, <laughs> you should, well, you should put a sweater on or you should, uh, you know, uh, maybe do some exercise so that you don't get so flushed all the time <laughs> just sitting on, just sitting at your desk. And, and this is something that's very, very difficult. And, and this goes back to that same idea that uh, a lot of tax money is put out to build these infrastructures that nobody's happy with. Mm. And so I see the best things ever. I see, <laughs> uh, this is great. I see winter where people are cold because they want 26 degrees. They want 25 degrees in their office. And women get cold feet when they're sitting in the office all day long, especially when they're heavy set and they don't exercise and they're over 50. And, <laughs> and they're in menopause. And so they get hot flashes and all this kind uh. of stuff. Um, and so what happens there is they then... They do, the, they, they, do the, they do that really funny thing where they go out and they buy themselves an electric heater and plug it in under their desk and don't tell anyone. And so now to save money, the, the, the company gets a, a big green stamp because the building cannot be heated past 22 degrees Celsius. <laughs> and all the people who are too cold go out and buy electric heaters and plug them into the wall outlets. <laughs> and so they got a green stamp and they're drawing more electricity. Oh, wow. And they had to pay for a system that they're not actually using. And that's normal. I, 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 can't, yeah. I can't count how many times I've seen that. So there you go. These are examples of, in our fantastic human industry, <laughs> how things go south because things are not built within the laws of things uh, that, that, that should be built or, mm -hmm. you know, they don't fly with accordance to things that should fly. Yeah. How do you, how do you, okay, so I, I spoke a lot <laughs> and, I, and I know that we're, we're, our eyelids are slowly shutting now for the night. I was actually looking at that grasshopper. I was really fascinated because it was able to stick to the wall in a vertical Position. I was. I didn't know that grasshoppers can do that. Actually, that they can on, you know, on walk a, on walls like well, spiders. That wall uh, there. You. You're you're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, but that wall there has uh, wallpaper on it and porous. So uh, I'm sure that's helping him. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I get that too. Like he's Like really, I don't think he'd be able to do that with his size really if it was grass. If it was glass. He was sticking to it like. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, fascinating. Anyways. And as I mentioned, the grasshoppers, uh, the one that we have up there, if I could turn the camera, I would, but I'm not going to. I don't feel like it. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're like this. They're like 10, 15 centimeters. They're big boys. Green. Yeah, like big. So um, in the world of biology, in yeah. the world of reality, yeah. does this type of, how can I best say waste. it? Waste. <laughs> end up happening because of the group um, deciding to create a society. No, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have any idea or any example where I've read about that. And to be honest, that wouldn't make any sense. Uh, you know, it's about life and death in nature. And if you put out more energy than you have and just run a system against the wall, what will happen? It will just, you know, not work and it will die. So eventually if there's, um, I, I actually know some studies about, animals that had been pushed out of the group, especially within primates, who tried to mislead and who tried to use the system um, without putting anything in. For example, you know, they, they share the food and one one of the monkeys is taking more food than the others <laughs> yeah. or is uh, is misleading or decisive or anything like that. Um, deceitful. Yeah, deceitful, deceitful, right? Mm -hmm. And just uses um, the others for advantage. They maybe that will work for a little bit, but eventually that uh, group member will be discovered by yeah. the others, and it will be pushed out. Yeah. So that's not something that would preserve on a long run because it's just not uh, honest, right? It's not working, mm -hmm. <laughs> and with the not with the purpose of the greater good of the whole group. And I think that's exactly mm -hmm. the problem. What is the purpose of these decisions? Is it 
to get the yeah. stem for being green or is it to save money or is it to have a better quality of life yeah have good quality yeah. of life what is the goal and and that's also what we're coming back to the episodes of last time the scope of something yeah. and i think in nature the scope is um to survive and in order to survive you have to be really careful with your energy resources with the time um allotment yeah. yeah and so you can translate that directly to humans with how where to put your money and that's exactly what we did actually today <laughs> really mm. calculating what's coming in what's getting out is that really what we need is that necessary um in in order to keep our system running you can grow later on but mm. first of all you have to build a system that's you yeah, know working yeah, yeah. so i don't think that this something that would you know you would say, see that in nature and maybe also just a couple of anecdotes of my industry um of course i i've seen that too right <laughs> actually in two different ways when i was working as a scientist we had a couple uh projects that uh had been run in our laboratory that were also taxed by or financed by government money so basically what you do you apply for money from different institutions of the government that um, yeah support the the research And sometimes it's very, very uh, unorthodox where you just get the money. You don't really have to sh say what you're doing with it. <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's yeah. just short little projects, oh like five, God. six thousand here yeah, and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just get the money and you don't need to ever report. Like it happened to me. I applied for money from the University of Frankfurt for a population genetics project. And I got the money and after I was done, I told them, you know, look guys, this is what I want. This is what came out of it. No one wanted to hear about this anymore. <laughs> and I was like, Do you, don't you need to report that? Don't you need to file oh. it somehow? So I was actually, uh, yeah, I was surprised how that works. And yeah, so there were a lot of research projects I, I watched that were just like, yeah, garbage. It, nothing came out of it. It was just like a waste of time, a waste of money. And I don't even know why why people decided to do this. Maybe because they could. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes well. it's even like you have we have a specific budget of money, and if we don't spend it, we won't get that money for the next year. And even there is mm -hmm. no good idea about that. And specifically, the the time I worked as a postdoc for a coordinating a research group, we had a certain budget, and I was not allowed to take some money from one pile to bring it to the other pile where because of the one pile was not used mm -hmm. um, I had to give that money back and the next time always my professor said you know you have to spend that money I don't know how you do it but you have to spend it Uh, which because like, you won't be given the same budget yeah, because we, the following thought, year like, when uh, obviously we don't need to, the money right so then yeah. just give it back and use it for something you know more important yeah. and also now I'm working more in the in the um, uh, foundation no not foundation industry like the NGO industry mm -hmm. industry if you want to call it industry <laughs> uh, in the NGO section and we have a lot to do with the word uh, greenwashing You know, with a lot of businesses coming to us uh, as an NGO and ask, you know, we want to support you and then we get your name on our business to look like we're saving the bees, we're helping the bees. Um, and if you look deeper into it, most of these people are not interested in what we're doing. They just want to have our approval. They just want to have that stamp. Well, they, want, they, they want to save money on taxes. They want to save money on taxes, yeah. which I mean, you know, like uh, the the donations is actually a good thing that these are t tax uh, tax reductions because otherwise I wouldn't. I think an NGO wouldn't work uh, at all. Yeah. But it's also you. We want to reach people who are really interested in our stuff and not only because they need that approval. They need that greenwashing mm -hmm. thingy. So 
when we get um, questions from from businesses and companies if they want to work with us, we're really careful um, in, in in looking at them and really try to figure For out sure. what is it they want from us and are we kind of maybe you know dragged into a greenwashing thing. Or is that something real, something that we're interested in? Especially huge companies that have already a bad reputation. <laughs> you know, they try to reach out and uh, try to mm. do a little bit here and there to look better. Well, but, it would. It, let's just say yeah. it wouldn't be in your best interest if BP had given you a bunch of money before spilling oil in the Gulf of Mexico. Yep, absolutely. And that's an unfortunate truth because honestly, yeah. where the money comes from, it helps your cause regardless. But the reality yeah. is, is that it makes it look like you guys are in league with them. That's exactly the way it is, yeah. And yeah. Um, so the although it's sometimes maybe tempting to take the money, you know, from these huge businesses, uh, yeah. you're selling your soul. Well, you, th that. there has to be an ethic morality, and unfortunately, yeah. that doesn't translate in through the tr the entire industry. No, it doesn't. So, um, yeah. what about like okay? So we talked about waste, and I think this will be the last point I'd like to actually talk yeah. about because we're we're getting late now into the episode. Yep. Um, what about encouragement in the sense that if you mentioned that when someone is falling behind, mm -hmm. they get kicked out of the group. That's the mm -hmm. form of punishment is usually ostracization mm -hmm. in the uh, in the animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. What about um, uh, people who aren't doing enough? Is there sometimes like a, a push? Like someone will come, like, like, like another <laughs> monkey will come up to him and be like, go get more fruit. Go Let's get, do do, do, like, like, is there any, any, anything that shows that? Like a rat, like the lazy rabbit that's like lazy enough? But you know, like he should be doing more. Uh, that's is, a good... is, is there anything between yeah. getting kicked out of the group and um, being productive? That's a good question that would be worth to research. That yeah. actually, I I wouldn't I wouldn't know how. Well, you actually. mentioned that with the rabbits. I, I know this because you mentioned it to me before. Yeah. You mentioned that rabbits have a hierarchy within yes. their society. So you have the alphas, the betas, pretty much the data all the way yeah. down to the epsilons, where yeah, yeah, yeah. they get kicked out uh, if they're not you know, holding their weight. Or the alpha male may get kicked out if there are too many of them. You can't have too many big personalities in one room, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously there's kind of like in between, especially if you have mm -hmm. these social hierarchies. I don't, I think over over the time, it's not with the, as a family, rabbit's not living in a family. It's really like a social um like a mixed group, the members are not related to each other and they have to kind of really form that hierarchy in order to to survive and, and to keep that social system going the mm -hmm. way they do. And I think they're doing it through maybe the same with the naked mole rats with really pressure and showing the others, like the alpha male shows show the other males where their position is. And mm -hmm. they even they even communicate that through the Latrian system. I think something mentioned already in the other episodes where they visit the same spots, put their urine, put their feces on it, and they can smell the status of the different members of within the group because the highest male, obviously, he's the highest male because he kind of fought for that position. Yeah. He has a lot of testosterone. He's very aggressive. He's very fertile. <laughs> yeah, he's the and best protector. He's the best protector. Yeah. And he's usually very big as well. And so the others naturally kind of, um, I think, regulate their testosterone content around this guy. Mm. And as always in a society, no one, you know, they're all different. Some are more, maybe have more female energy <laughs> than others. And so I think there's a natural order and also, especially the, the males who are maybe not so strong, they're happy that they have that system where they can, you know, 
Well, at they least, feel they feel protected. They feel protected. Yeah, exactly. They are within the group. They still have females on mm-hmm. the so, same social rank where they can have offsprings with. So. Yeah probably they're happy to be there and they wouldn't risk that position. That's how I would kind of um, assume it it could be. Yeah, Yeah. I would agree. No? She's going to prance. She's going to pounce, I mean. (laughs) I can see that. I know those curtains are coming down if she jumps. So we're going to end this show because it looks like we have to take care of business in a second. That was a fascinating program. Kat is looking at the grasshopper very patiently. It's it's going to jump up on the curtains and pull them all down in a second. Um, So might be texting. (laughs) Any of you guys out there have any questions? It's been a a quiet chat. I find Wednesdays to be actually a bit quieter because obviously it's midday for you guys, uh, you know, within the work week uh, in the English-speaking world. Chime in if you have any questions. Like I said before, yeah. uh, um, Twitch, DLive, Rumble, <laughs> Rockfin, Telegram. We're gonna be going. We're gonna be moving over to Podbean to do live audio oh, yeah. versions of this. Also in the near future, where people will be able to drive and listen to us in audio form and ask questions and chime in and so on and so forth. And obviously, will then be available in every major podcasting outlet mm-hmm. uh, platform out there that there is. So that's going to be cool. That yeah. should be happening in the next week or so, actually. I'm going to be uh, uploading what we got and uh, we'll yeah. go on live from there on in. Yeah, so. it's not too bad to actually, you know, stay kind of yeah. at home. And <laughs> it, I, I, This is fun. I think that what do we got here? We got we went uh, an hour and change. Oh, oh, um, yeah. doesn't, I mean, we're just talking about stuff that we know and I think it's much easier than having to uh, always make all these footnotes. So any of you guys have any ideas yeah. for topics? We're gonna we're we're gonna you know do our best to uh, represent it and uh, bring it into our show and talk about it in the way that we like to talk about yeah. it. As I mentioned in the very beginning, could it be that the more accommodating our environment is, the more we lose the ability to take care of ourselves? That is the modality and that is the idea, the the question that fuels this show. Obviously, not every show is going to be directly related to that question, mm-hmm. but we are going to be looking at it uh, from a philosophical point of view and um, looking at the the questions and the subjects that we have from our points of views. And sometimes we're going to go out a bit past the imagination into the esoteric realm. Mm. I think uh, one of the up- upcoming episodes, we're going to be talking about uh, <laughs> about uh, some shamanistic stuff that Maddie has been uh, Absolutely. Uh, learning yeah, a lot about to. over the past couple of years, being sure. involved with the European Shamanic Foundation. Yeah. I think I have to save that grasshopper now. Yeah. Get All right. Eaten by so, the cat. Let's just say goodbye <laughs> and uh, we're going to go and take care of this. It's going to yeah. happen. Everybody out there, have a great Wednesday and we bye will bye. see you Sunday at 6 p.m. Central European time. Yep. Until then. See you then. Bye bye. Bye.